Scripture, uh, Lord willing, uh, unless He brings to mind a few more. Um, some, some five uh, nuggets of truth uh, that will be used. They're, they're, they're tools. I would say they are tools to help us reach people with the gospel. All right. So five five things from Scripture that we can use to help us reach people with the gospel. John chapter fifteen in verse number eight. John chapter fifteen in verse number eight. Jesus says, herein is my Father glorified. Now, anytime we find that there's something that is specifically given, and especially uh, in Scripture, uh, that is given to us that tells us this is something that will glorify God, it ought to be something we sit up and, and pay very, very close regard to because our desire is to glorify Him with our lives. And so He tells us here, that herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, and so shall ye be my disciples. And we've talked a lot about this, and there, oftentimes this verse is used as a, a soul winning verse, a verse that is used at a, uh, maybe a conference on soul winning, and it certainly has application to bearing fruit in the area of souls that are one to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no denying that fruit of a Christian's life ought to be borne out in those that are saved and brought to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. However, that is not all of the fruit. There is other fruit in the Christian life besides just the fruit of people being saved. And that is the fruit that's born out in us in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible talks about, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And uh, so this is also fruit. And much of it ought to be born out in our lives. And then there's the fruit of character that God instructs us in righteousness with through His Word that ought to be uh, applied to our lives as we find the principles in Scripture and that fruit ought to also abide in our lives. And so I want to, we're going to spend the, the majority of the afternoon on the, the specific niche of fruit being people that have come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How to, how to utilize some things in our life that will make us more effective, uh, reaching people with the gospel. And, um, so we're going to spend a little bit of time seeing what the Bible has to say on some of this. There's no doubt that, that we've been commissioned. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 are very famous uh, verses. We refer to them as the Great Commission, uh, where we're to go into all the world. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. We know that Jesus taught his disciples to say, Not ye there yet uh, months to harvest, that uh, we're to lift up our eyes under the uh, the fields and look, for they are white already unto harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his fields. And so on. And so we know from Scripture, there's no doubt we're not uh, teaching any new doctrine or any new truth from Scripture this afternoon by saying that it is certainly God's will that you and I as His children be effective and be uh, engaged in the work of taking this gospel message to those that need to hear it. Uh, and so I want to I encourage us in this. Um, I, I think there's a great, uh, there's some benefit to having uh, a specific time uh, <coughs> set aside to 
share the gospel with people. However, I've learned over the years that sometimes when all we do is set aside a time to go out and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, we will call ourselves a soul-winning Christian or a soul-winning church, if you will. And our, our, if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll get in our mindset that, well, this day at this time from this point to this point is when I go soul winning. And then the rest of the time we don't think about it. We think, well, that's my soul winning time. And the rest of the time we keep it to ourselves. And I don't know that that's a biblical perspective. I think more of the biblical perspective is that we as God's people are consciously aware at all times. If we are awake, we ought to be consciously aware that we're soul winners. It doesn't matter if it's Thursday night at seven o'clock. It may be Monday at breakfast. It may be uh, uh, Tuesday afternoon while I'm standing there at the gas pump. Or when I go to the furniture store at Lazy Boy, Brother Harold. Or, uh, the, the, the mindset that we as God's people need to get out of this frame of mind that I'm a soul winner because I have a, a time set. I, I want to be a soul winner. I want to be known for that. I want to be someone that when I talk to people, they know I'm going to bring up the Lord Jesus Christ to them. And it ought to be a normal thing for a Christian to do. It, there, there ought to be such a joy in our hearts for what God has done for us. And there ought to be a closeness in our walk with God such that, that we, we just can't help but tell people about what He means to us, what He's done for us, and what, uh, what He can do for them and show them that need. And we ought to have enough compassion and a heart for their undone condition that we don't look at it as being intrusive or overbearing on them. But we love them and we want to see them come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says quite clearly that he, he is not willing, Jesus is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I don't think a Christian should be any less. I think we ought not be willing that any should perish. I think our desire ought to be, Lord, I don't want to see one person die and go to hell. I, I want to make sure that I take advantage of all the opportunities that are afforded me. And I, I worry, and I, even as a pastor, there's times I'll get busy in the week, and I, I've got a lot of irons in the fire, and I've got things going on. And I'll get to the end of my day sometimes, and I'll think, boy, I missed, I missed so many opportunities today that I could have stopped and taken a moment and shared the gospel with someone, or I could have at least engaged in conversation and seen if God would open that door and and... I know it in my heart, and I see it in my life sometimes, and I often wonder if it's that same way with everyone, that we still, no matter how much we are well-intentioned, we miss the opportunities. We're not, we're not as cognizantly aware of them. We're not consciously thinking in terms of the next person I bump into, do they know Christ as their Savior? Do I see them as an eternal soul that's going to spend an eternity somewhere? And so uh, Jesus is, is his heartbeat, the, the whole silver cord of redemption throughout Scripture is all about men coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it ought to be our desire. It ought to be that the things that my Savior loves ought to be the things I love. They ought to be the things I long for. Things that he desires ought to be the things I desire. And they ought to be the things you desire. And so I want to give you five things from the Bible. There's... I'm sure there are many other things, but five things I think that are critically important. If we're going to be effective in sharing the gospel with people, if we're going to be effective in helping people come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first one I think we'll find is we go to 1 Peter chapter number 3. If you'll take your Bibles and turn there. 1 Peter chapter 3. 
First <clears throat> Peter chapter number three and verse number fifteen. There's going to be two parts to this, and I, and I, I don't want you to miss it if you can follow with me on it. It says here in verse number fifteen, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now the word sanctify means to set apart for a particular use. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. In other words, uh, the things that my heart thinks about, they need to be set aside for the cause of the Lord Jesus. My affections, my interests, the things that I love, uh, ought to be utilized for the purpose of the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that God gives us certain things we enjoy. Uh, We call them hobbies sometimes. Uh, I love flying airplanes. Love flying airplanes. Uh, I love going on missions trips. That's, That's one of the thrills of my life, to be on a missions trip. I remember for years growing up wanting to fly, wanting to be on a missions trip, and never had the opportunity to do it for many, many years. And when I got the opportunity to do it, all of a sudden, those things that I enjoyed were able to be used to reach people with the gospel. There are people today that have been saved. There are people that, uh, uh, that are in churches today. There are people that are serving the Lord today that simply because even when I was doing my flying with an airplane, I met people and God brought about some things in my life and their life to draw them to Him. And I would say this, that Our hearts need to be such that no matter what it is, we're consciously thinking, I want to make this thing of my heart be something that is used for the Lord Jesus Christ. I I want every part of my life, every affection I have, every desire I have, every interest that I have, I want God to be able to use it to reach people with the gospel. And I don't think you have to give up the things that you love. I think you need to yield the things that you love, that God can use those as part of reaching people. It's amazing to me how many times there have been things that I have enjoyed in my life that I'll bump into somebody and all of a sudden a conversation strikes up because there's a commonality in our interests. And God utilized it. To help us bring that person to Christ. So I'm not sitting here saying you've got to give up the things that you love and the things that God's given you. I'm saying yield those things to Him and say, Lord, if it's something you've given me as a desire, help me to use it for your glory. Help me to utilize that to reach people with the gospel. And so I would say this. He tells us to sanctify the Lord God in your heart. So there are things about our hearts that we need to say, Lord, I want every aspect of it to be set apart for you. And then he says this, and what are the next two words here? Be ready. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and give you the third word. Be ready always. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I'm reminded of the story years ago, and I don't know if it was a true story or not, but it certainly was a a modern-day parable, if you will, or a modern-day illustration that somebody used. 
of a, a drought that was taking place in a farming area. And uh, the people there were, uh, were praying for rain, and they decided that they were going to have a prayer meeting one evening uh, down at the church for rain. And uh, all the farmers decided at this time we're all going to meet the meeting house, and we're all going to gather, and we're going to pray and ask for God to bring rain. And as they got to the meeting place, only one farmer brought an umbrella. And, the, and I say all that to say this, there are some times that we, in our minds, think we're ready, but the truth is, are we really ready? If God brought somebody across your path as you walked out the door of the church today, are you ready to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you spent time knowing how to share the Bible with them and, and at least some verses that you can bring them to to show them how to be saved? You say, Pastor, I can't remember anything. If you can remember one reference, the first one you want to go to. And that's the only one you got to remember because there's a, such a thing somebody a few years back invented this little thing. It's a stick. And the point of it writes on paper. It's called a pen or a pencil. And you can write the next reference next to that reference. And you can, if you can't remember them, at least be ready. Have, have your Bible ready. Carry tracks in your pocket, if nothing else, if you can't remember that. I would say this, it doesn't take much to think back of how you got saved. The verses of Scripture that spoke to your heart and showed you your need of a Savior and how you needed to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And write those verses down on a 3 by 5 card. And if nothing else, stick them in your pocket. But can I tell you this? Be ready. I heard a fellow say this one time when he was using the, the passage of Scripture where the disciples had been out fishing all night long and they had caught nothing. And then Jesus tells them to go out and let their nets down on the other side. And, and then other places where it talks about the disciples were on the shore. And, and he used the passage where it talks about the fact that they were mending their nets. And he made this application. He said, what would have happened that night had, had they fished all night and they came back and Jesus told them to go out and let down their nets and they were full of holes? They hadn't spent the time to prepare. They hadn't spent the time to get their nets ready. Can I tell you this? You and I need to be ready if God brings opportunity our way, and He will. We need to be ready to give an answer. And whether it's memorizing it, I don't know about you, my brain doesn't memorize like it used to. Carry a card. We gave you a nice little notebook at Christmas time. Right on the front page of that notepad, five or six verses that show how somebody can be saved by Scripture. Keep it in your pocket. Keep it in your pocketbooks, ladies. And if nothing else, say, can I show you some verses? And then I would say this, number two, first of all, we need to be ready. And I will say this, our, it's two-part. Our hearts need to be sanctified. We need, to, we need to be not just an hour a week ready to be soul winners. It needs to be the hunger and thirst of our life to reach people with the gospel, to spend time talking with them. When, 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 when we talked to some, I was out, I was out the other week with a, uh, a, a preacher friend of mine uh, out eating. <clears throat> we were at, uh, I think it was Ruby Tuesday. <clears throat> young man walked up. And uh, he saw us getting ready to pray for our food. And he paused. He waited until we were done praying before he served and did what he was going to do. And I, I, as he saw us getting ready to bow our heads and pray, and I saw him pause, I looked up at him and we, we, I postponed our prayer for a minute. And I, I addressed him by name. I said, I said, hey, we're getting ready to pray uh, for our food. I said, is there anything you'd like for us to pray for you about. Opens the door. 
Uh, he's, he did. He had some things for us to pray about. Sitting there with another preacher, we started talking to him. Hey, where'd he go to church? Then we were fighting over whose church we were going to invite him to. In good nature. We were, we were cutting up with him about it. But, but I will say this. Throughout that night, he came back four or five times. He wasn't even our waiter. He came back four or five times just to talk to us at our table. And we were able to share more and more of the gospel. Every time he came back, we would share a little bit more and a little bit more. Now, I don't know if he'll ever come to church. But when I say this, we need to always be ready. Always be ready. And look for, look for opportunities. Look for commonality. Look for things that, that, will, that will engage them in a conversation. Because they need to know the gospel. They need to hear it. And if we just go about our day content with them serving us or bumping into us and, and, and we thank them for their service or we thank them for, or we give them a tip at the restaurant or whatever and we never share the gospel with them, we have done a disservice to them. Who else is going to tell them? So we need to be ready. We need to sanctify our hearts under the Lord and we need to be ready to give an answer. All right, number two, Acts chapter four. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter number 4. And... um, Verse number, we're going to read a number of verses here, but verse number 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, and they marveled, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Boy, that would be a testimony to have, would it not? And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go out aside out of the council, and they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it is spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. It was so shut up in their bones, they could not help it. So when they had further threatened them, and they let them them go, finding nothing how they might punish them, because the people, for all men, glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above forty years old, on whom this miracle of healing was showed, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and said, Lord... Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? 
The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand findeth, uh, thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Secondly, ask the Holy Spirit to give us boldness. Ask the Holy Spirit to give us boldness. They had been threatened twice. They go to the brethren, they tell the brethren... This is what these men have done. They've told us we can no longer preach in His name. And Peter and John said, hey, you, you, you determine. We cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And the Bible says that they begin to pray. You know what they prayed for? That God would grant them boldness. You say, Pastor, I can't tell somebody how to be saved. I'm too embarrassed. I, I'm too ashamed. I'm too, I, I, I get too scared. I, I, I'm an introvert. I, I just, people, people know me and I, 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 I'm nervous about telling them, especially my friends, and pray. And say, Lord, give me boldness. Give me boldness. Because they need to know the gospel. They need to be saved. They need to trust You as their Savior, just as I did. So, Lord, give me boldness. Number one, we need to be ready. Number two, we need to pray for God to give us boldness. Number three, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter number nine. Verse number sixteen. Paul says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free of all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. I would say number three, learn to build a relationship with those you're sharing the gospel with. Paul said that he made himself a servant unto all. Now that does not mean you become like them to win them. That is not the principle we're speaking of here. But somebody said it this way, People need to know how much you care before they care how much you know. 
you can tell when someone is doing something out of their best interest and when they are doing it out of your best interest. Oftentimes, we focus so much on the method. We focus so much on the technique, if you will, the process of giving a gospel message to someone. And we don't care nearly enough about the someone we're giving the gospel message to. Can I tell you this? The gospel message will come across the way that it needs to when we care about the person the way that we need to care about them. I've learned this, that you can have a plan and you can have a method, and I don't think there's anything wrong with at least having some knowledge and preparation in that area. But folks, salvation is more than a plan. It is more than a method. And I would far rather pour my heart out to somebody and allow the Holy Spirit to give me words that will reach their heart than for me to have a pointed outline that I follow through step by step and never regard the person. Learn to develop a relationship. Care for that person. Show them your care. Show them your heart. It does not hurt for them to see the hurt and the brokenness in your life for their soul. I found that over the years, God has a way of putting into your heart the things that need to be said. If you're willing to engage the person and sincerely try to share the gospel with them, God has a way of bringing to mind the things that need to be said. That doesn't mean you don't have to prepare. It doesn't mean you shouldn't study. But we must not get so wrapped up in the method or the process that we neglect caring for the soul, the person that we're dealing with. Paul said he became a servant unto all. In fact, he referred to the fact later on in Scripture that he was a debtor. He even made the statement, if it were possible, that he would wish himself accursed for his brethren. What he was saying is, if it would be possible for me to go to hell on their behalf, I would do it if they would be saved. Folks, that's the kind of love and compassion we ought to have for the lost. I've been to soul winning clinics and conferences. I've heard every method under the sun. I've heard people talk about how you say things a certain way, how you hold your hand a certain way, how you use verses a certain way. Can I tell you, all we need to do is care about people. And share the blessed gospel message to their heart. And let the Holy Spirit give an increase. We need to learn to build relationships. Number four. Matthew chapter four, if you will. 
Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 18. Jesus is getting ready to start His ministry. He's getting ready to call His disciples. Verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, I want you to notice that. The Bible says that Jesus saw it. He's walking by the sea. He sees a couple brothers there working with their nets. You walk by the sea, you see a couple guys there with nets, or you see a couple guys there with fishing poles, and immediately in your mind you think these guys are tax collectors, don't you? Is that what you think they are? No, you, you immediately think they're what? They're fishermen. Look how Jesus approaches them. And He saith unto them, Follow me. And I will make you my disciples. Is that what he says? He says, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. You know what Jesus was a master of? He was a master of identifying with the things that they were familiar with. Now, he had an advantage that you and I don't have. He had the advantage he could see their hearts and he could see their interests. And we would say, well... You know, Pastor, I don't have that ability. No, we don't. I don't see the heart of another man. But I do have something. I have the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of me that is helping to guide my heart and my thoughts. And guess what the Holy Spirit can see? He can see that man's heart. Number four, look for things of commonality. Look for things of commonality. Look for common interests. I have met people who have had an interest in things that I knew nothing about. I, I try to be somewhat well read. I try to know a lot about, or a little bit about a lot of things so that I can talk to more people. But there's sometimes somebody will bring up something, it is foreign to me. You say, how do you deal with that? Start asking them a lot of questions. Boy, that is interesting. You know, I've always wondered about that. Share with me a little bit. How, how does that work? Oh, really? and, and follow with them. Engage them. Have some interest in the things they're interested in. I... Um, I think we ought to be well read. I think we ought to I think we ought to try to know at least some things about a lot of different things. So that when people talk with us, there's at least some element of we understand a little bit of, of at least where they're coming from. But if not, don't give up and say, Well, we have no no interest here. I don't know where I'm gonna go with the conversation. Ask them questions. And and don't hey, admit up front, I don't know anything about this. And you may ask them a question that's the most dumbest question in that subject matter at all, but at least they're going to try to answer it and set you straight on it. And you're going to engage in conversation. And Jesus was a master at this. He comes along, these guys are sitting there mending their, uh, working with their nets. 
He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know that thing that you're doing right now? Come with me, I'll show you how to do it with men. I'll show you how to get men to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 27 for a minute. The Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 27. <clears throat> I think this, this is one of the most poignant verses that, that brings about a point that I oftentimes when I read this years ago, I, I didn't quite understand what it was talking about. Look what it says here in verse number 19. As in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to heart. That's a hard saying sometimes. <clears throat> what it is saying is this. What we say outwardly uh, is not as important as what we say with our hearts. In other words, I can look at your face and I can portray something to you outwardly. But the truth is my heart speaks to your heart and your heart will speak to my heart. When it comes to dealing with people, it's not just trying to put on some outward act. It's allowing our heart to speak to their heart and allowing their heart to speak to mine. There are things, and, and, and some of you all know what I'm talking about when I say this. There are things years ago growing up when I was in school, I was just talking to my son about one of these fellows the other day. There was a, a fellow when I was in seventh grade in junior high school that was a key turning point in my life. Extremely influential. One of my junior high teachers. name was Charles Cooley. And I would sit here and I could spend an hour talking to you about the things that Charles Cooley did that I loved and looked up to. But I will tell you this, that I learned more from the heart of that man than I ever did from the things that he did. Commonality in heart. Commonality in spirit. Looking for the things that our heart can commune with their heart on. We can identify with. You bump into someone. Through the course of conversation, perhaps they feel comfortable enough with you that they share that their family member has stage 4 cancer. Or they've had a, a massive stroke in the last few years. And the hardship and the burden that family member has had. What you do with that information in the next few moments will oftentimes determine whether or not your heart will reach their heart or not. Do we offer to pray for them? Do we ask often as we can, do you mind if I share that with our church so we can be praying for you? And if and when that happens, do you have an opportunity a week or two later to go back and follow up on that and say, I've been praying for you, just wanted to follow up and see how things are going in that situation? Because I have found this to be true, that many times God may prepare the heart for someone to be saved the first time you ever meet them. But more times than not, it takes two or three or four or a dozen encounters with that person before they finally come to the realization, I need to be saved. I was in college and they taught us to just, just share the gospel 
Get them to pray a prayer and then move on. Go to the next guy. Folks, salvation is something that is of eternal importance. It's something that we've got to pour ourselves into that person. <clears throat> In fact, that goes on to our fourth point, or our fifth point, excuse me, which I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and our last one. And it goes hand in hand with this one. In fact, I don't know that you can even separate the two. They're almost combined. And that is faithfully, faithfully follow up with them. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, We're going to begin in verse number 1, and Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are carnal. And here's why they're carnal, okay? Now I want you to notice what their thought process is here. For whereas there is among you envying and strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as other men? What are they envying and striving over? Let's see what it says here. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? Now here's the point, and I don't want you to miss it. I have what? Planted. Is there fruit yet? No. Apollos, what? Watered. Is there any fruit yet? No. But God gave the increase. You say, well, somebody gets saved the first time I share the gospel with them? They could. But if they don't, don't be discouraged. It may take some planting. It may take some watering. The Bible doesn't give this analogy here or this illustration here, but it may take some weeding. It certainly will take some nourishing and some cultivating. But given the love of a Christian and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's Word, if the person is going to trust Christ as their Savior, it could and probably will take all of that But at the end of the day, God is the one that gives the increase. So we continue to follow up. You say, Pastor, I've talked to this person. I've talked to him and talked to him and talked to him. I have a friend of mine. In fact, I bumped into him last week. He's not saved. He'll tell you he's not saved. He won't go to church. I've pleaded with him. I've, I've, I've even made... Him agree, I will come to church if, and I've done it, and then they still not come. His comment to me is, I don't go to church because there's too many hypocrites there. And I keep telling him, isn't that where you want them to be? <laughs> That's where they're going to get help, I hope, anyway. That's where you want the hypocrites to be. You want them in church. Uh, you also want people that are sincere there. The church isn't, it's not a mansion of perfect people, it's, a place where we're all learning to grow closer to the Lord and grow in the grace and the knowledge. It's a hospital in some cases. It's a college. It's a, 
It's a rehab center in some cases. It's an education place, a place where we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. I've tried, I've pleaded with Him. He won't come. He won't come to church. He's very polite, very friendly. In fact, if we bump into each other out in public, he'll, he'll come up to me. We'll stand and talk for 15 minutes. Catch up on what's going on in each other's lives. Bumped into him the other week. He's doing a business venture here in town. and I pulled up while he was working on his business venture. and We talked for a little bit. I told him, invite him to church again. I said, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to give up on you. And you know, he smiled and he appreciates that. He is a friend of mine. He knows I'm not going to go to the places he goes and then join in with the things that he does. But folks, we've got to learn to follow up. I don't know if God will save him. Well, I know God will if He'll turn to Him. I don't know if He'll turn to Christ or not. But if He chooses not to turn to Christ, may it not be because I have not done all that I could to reach Him. May it not be because of us that they choose not to come. May we give them every opportunity. May we care for them in every way. And may we learn to faithfully follow up with them over and over and over again as much as they will allow us. There are some people that have told me they love my friendship, they love my fellowship, but when it comes to the things of the Lord, they don't want to talk about it anymore. You say, how do you handle that? Well, I'll honor that for a time or two. And then we'll approach it again. And we'll go as far as they'll let, them, let, them, let me go again. And hopefully the prayer is that one day they'll let me go beyond where I have already and go ahead and show them the full plan of salvation. There's a dear friend of mine just had surgery this past week, unsaved. His wife stopped by this week and gave me an update on him. Fortunately, his surgery went well. He's getting up in years. He had a stroke a few years back. Every time I talk with him, uh, he's, he's a staunch Catholic. Every time I talk with him, we get to a certain point, and he's like, that's enough. Dear friend, dear friend, we'll sit and talk for hours. But there's a level where he's like, that's it. There's been times he said, I don't want to talk about those things. He said, well, how do you handle that? I'll, I'll meet him the next time or two and not say a word about it. We'll just talk. But sooner or later, I'm going to bring it back up again. Because he needs to hear. He needs to hear. My hope, my prayer is that one of these times he'll be like, I'll listen. I'll listen to what you have to say. Don't be discouraged if they don't listen the first time. Take the, take the room that they give you. Take what they'll let you do. And every time you have that opportunity, push it a little bit further. Because, folks, they need to hear the gospel. 
It's not enough to just wash your hands and say, well, I tried. What if the Savior had done that to us? The first time we rejected Him, or the second, or the third, or the fourth. I'm thankful He didn't give up. Five things that maybe will help us when it comes to our our goals of reaching people with the gospel, our desire to reach people with the gospel. Be ready. Ask God to give us boldness. Build relationships. Look for commonality. And follow up faithfully. And let's see if God would just give an increase. You say, well, Pastor, it's... You know, we don't see a lot of people coming into the church. I'd love when people get saved to come be a part of our church, get baptized and join the church and be part of it. But folks, if they never joined our church, but they they were saved, they trusted Christ as their Savior, wouldn't we rejoice? Wouldn't we be rejoicing in heaven because another soul was saved? Now, I hope they do. I hope they come to our church. I hope they'll grow. I hope we can get the opportunity to disciple and teach them through the Word of God. But don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. And above all, don't quit. We're living in the last days, I believe. We don't have much time. I don't know how much time God's going to give me on this earth. I don't know by death or by the rapture. I don't know. But I hope and pray that He will help me to be faithful in this area until He comes back. And I hope it's the hope and prayer of each one of us. Help us to be faithful that we can glorify Him by bearing much fruit. Let's stand together. Lord, we're thankful for Your Word. I pray that You'll bless it today and use it. May we be challenged by it, and I pray that You would help us to maybe renew